0: is power
1: What are the convictions that drive the reason you make the decisions you make? Like, all of us have some DNA, and I'm not talking about biological DNA. Each one of us have deeply held things that cause us to choose to make the decisions that we make. And what I've learned over time is that I need to kind of reevaluate the deeply held convictions that I have. And I remember when I came to know Jesus, that's what Jesus is really offering each one of us. He's like, there is another way to see everything.
0: Why do you do what you do? Each one of us has a framework we work out of a set of principles that guide our decisions. Well, today, Pastor Daniel invites you to consider the convictions that drive your decisions. As you explore the principles behind what the church does, you'll have a chance to reevaluate your own starting points. After all, when you simply respond to Jesus, he offers you a better way, a new framework for your life. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Ephesians chapter 2 as he begins a new message called The First Strand of Crossroads DNA. Jesus is
1: so one of the things that it's always been really cool to me is that I just think people are so fascinating. Like, you know, just look around the sanctuary for a second. Everyone looks different, right? And not only like, you know, people have different hairstyles, but like there are different expressions of humanity, and everybody is unique. Now, what was amazing is, as a young person, I always thought that that was super cool, until I went to science class, and they told me about something called DNA, right? Everybody know what DNA is? Well, I mean, we kind of know. Anybody know what DNA actually stands for? Dioxyribonucleic acid. No, no, none of you knew that. I didn't know it either. I looked it up before I got out here, right? It's like, but in science class, they explained to you how you know, uh, each person, the way that we look, right, it's an expression of something that is internal that they call DNA. And really what it is, is you get it from your parents, it's stored in, in something called chromosomes. You get half your chromosomes from your mom, half from your dad, and they put it together. And then each person has a unique DNA to them. Unless you're an identical twin, then there's another one just like you, which is scary, See, I always joke, I have actually a fraternal twin sister, and I was like, man, thank God they didn't make us identical. That'd be too much Fusco in one place, you know? But, but what's beautiful is, is you don't see your DNA in the, unless you look through a microscope, but you do see the expression of that DNA. And each one of us has that. I remember when, you know, uh, when Lynn and I were pregnant, actually Lynn was pregnant, but I was involved in that, so I can be a part of that. And, and I remember before the kids were born, we were like, what are our kids going to look like? And I remember when Obadiah was born, Obadiah came out like cut, like chiseled. And I'm like, he didn't get that from my side of the family. You know what I mean? Like he had muscles. I'm like, where did he come from? You know what I mean? But sure enough, it's like, he looks a lot like my bride's side of the family. And then of course, when we had Maranatha, our second child, right as she was born, we're like, ah, oh, that's a Fusco baby right there. You know, a little Italian girl. And I, I always laugh because people will meet Maranatha, but they won't get her name. Like, I think I met your daughter. I'm like, oh yeah, how do you know? She's like, she looks just like you without the beard. I'm like, that's my daughter, you know? But, but that's how it goes. It's like you put the, the DNA of two parents together and you mix it up and God, by his grace, does what he does and you end up everyone looking a little bit different, right? With different expressions of who we are. And I, I bring all this up because in a lot of ways, as a church family, like there is a DNA that we have. Now, again, our, our DNA is really a set of convictions that we hold as a church family, convictions that are actually under the hood, but you see the, the the expression of them all over the place. So as part of this Renew series, when we're kind of talking about who we are, what we're doing, why we're doing it, I wanted to take some time and kind of look under the hood a little bit. Like, like, what's the DNA that drives who we are as a church? Now, I want to share this with you, not because I, I think that, like, I just want to talk to you about the DNA of Crossroads. I actually believe that it's important for each one of us to examine what are the convictions that drive the reason you make the decisions you make. Like, all of us have some DNA, and I'm not talking about biological DNA. Each one of us have deeply held things that cause us to choose to make the decisions that we make. And what I've learned over time is that I need to kind of reevaluate the deeply held convictions that I have. And I remember when I came to know Jesus, that's what Jesus is really offering each one of us. He's like, there is another way to see everything, there's another way to see the world, there's another way to look at life. And the ways that I was raised and the loving family that I was raised in, that was all fine, but Jesus had a more excellent way for me. And so oftentimes, unless we're intentional about looking at what are the convictions that drive the person that I am, unless we ever call it into question, we just kind of move through life with those convictions and we make a bunch of decisions. And so as a church, we have some deeply held beliefs, and we, we've chosen to articulate them because obviously, I'm not going to say we believe the Bible because we do. We believe in Jesus because we do. It's kind of like, yeah, those are the givens. We're Bible people here. We're, we're all about Jesus here at Crossroads. Like He's our only hope. He's the Messiah. He's the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We want to simply respond to him. That's a given. But from there, there's all sorts of other things that we hold very, very dear. And I want to explore them together with you. But in order to do that, I want to remind us all that God not only has given us a DNA in who he is But he has also given us Because of the DNA he's given us He's given us certain things that we're supposed to be involved in Now I want to get at that I want you to open up your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2 Ephesians chapter 2 I'm going to focus in on verse 10 of Ephesians chapter 2 And so I would love for you to open up your Bible If you brought it with you today to Crossroads uh, The book of Ephesians is pretty easy to find It's the fourth or fifth of Paul's letters There in the New Testament Now I'm going to pick up in verse 8 Just to get the whole The whole thought that the Apostle Paul gives us. But he says this, Ephesians chapter two, picking up in verse eight, it says, for by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. And then the verse we're gonna focus on, verse 10. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we would walk in them. Now, I love this because really what Paul is saying is he's reminding the church in Ephesus, he's reminding us that a person gets saved, not by the things that we do, but by the grace of God. So really, it's a reminder that the gospel is salvation because of God's grace. Because of who God is and what he has done, we receive this thing called salvation, which is literally being freed up from bondage to sin, to a life that is bent on rebellion against God and being freed into a relationship with God through Jesus. And this is all under the, under the umbrella of God's grace, God's unmerited, unearned, undeserved favor. That's one great definition of grace. It's, it's a gift that God gives, not because we deserve it, but because God's a great gift giver, right? So we're not saved By something we do, we are saved by what God has done. That's why we're all about Jesus. That's why we believe that you should follow Jesus, that you should believe in him, that you should devote your life to praising God. And anything less than that is missing out on the abundant life that God has because salvation isn't something that we do. It's something that God does for us. So it says, for by grace you have been saved and it happens through faith because faith is something that we, it's the hands that receive the gift that God wants to give us right that's what faith is faith is god's like here's the gift of salvation in christ and faith is when we reach out our hands and we receive that gift now i realize that because each one of us is on a different step of our faith journey some of you along the way have grabbed hold of that gift others of you are like you see the gift there and you're like should i take it and the answer is absolutely you should take it it's god's gift for you my daughter annabelle turned six yesterday oh so fun have you ever seen a six year old, if there's a gift wrapped up for them, they say, I don't want it? Anybody ever seen that? Only adults do something as crazy as that. Right? It's like when God wants to give you the gift of salvation in Jesus, be a child. Take that gift. It's a gift from God for you. Right? And, and He tells us that. It's, we're, by grace, we've been saved through faith. It's not of ourselves. It's the gift of God. Now, I want you to notice there. It says it's the gift of God, not a gift of God, right? It's not one of a million gifts. It is the gift. It's what God wants you to have because in the gift of Jesus, all the other gifts God wants to give you come. But it is the primary, Jesus is that gift and Jesus wants us to receive him. And then it says, not of works lest anyone should boast. So the idea is that the salvation that God gives us is a gift and it's nothing that you work for. Because if you work for it, then you could say, of course this is what's happening because this is the work that I've done, right? So we're saved by grace apart from works. That's the gospel. God is not opposed to effort. He's opposed to earning. You can't earn God's love. He gives it to you. You can't earn God's grace. He gives it to you. But then it says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God prepared beforehand that we would walk in. Now it's saying that, because we're saved by grace through faith, apart from works, we begin to realize that each one of us are God's own work of art. That word workmanship in the Greek language is the Greek word poema, which we get our English word what? Poem. So each one of us is a work of art that God is doing. And each work of art is not on its own, but it's each work of art created in who? In Christ Jesus. Jesus. And then each work of art created in Christ Jesus has a function unto good works, which God prepared beforehand that we would walk in. And what that means is that in the unique ways that God has knit each one of us together on a DNA level, but when it becomes a spiritual thing, there are good works that God created you in Christ Jesus to walk in, right? So each one of us has purpose, function. In the totality of God's kingdom. Now that's not only true for us as individuals. That's also true for us as a church family. We realize that each one of you. You're God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Which God prepared before you were even born. That you would walk in those things. And as a church family our job is to say. We want you to step into discovering what those good works God created you for is. And so if you are not yet in ministry here at Crossroads. It's time to step on into that. Because God created your God's workmanship Unto those good works Not works that save you But works that are the expression Of your salvation Right And so because of this We realize some things about ourselves As a church Now if you know anything about DNA there's, uh, They call it a double helix There's two strands of DNA that are intertwined And so today I'll take the first strand And the next message I'll take the second strand Because there's a lot of things to go through But in each one of these things I'm talking to you about who Crossroads is under the hood. But you see these things in expression everywhere. Just like your DNA. You don't see it, except you see the expression of it and your hair color and your eye color and your height and all these different parts of who you are. In the same way, we want to be able to say, this is who we are under the hood. And what I would tell you is that I want to encourage you as an individual to also adopt this DNA. Because I think it's we think it's important enough to say, this is what we care about. Now, the first thing is kind of fun. I always like to say it this way. As a church, we know who we are, and we like it. We know who we are, and we like it. Now, every time I've ever said that, there are people like, that sounds kind of arrogant. It's not arrogant. Really, what it's saying is that we understand that this is who God has made us to be as a church. We're not going to reject who God has made us to be. And because we know who we are, we feel super comfortable being who we are. I always like to tell people that Crossroads is not the best. We are not the only. We just have a very definitive understanding of this is who God has called us to be. And because this is who God called us to be, we're happy to play that role. Does that make sense? And I think it's important for each one of us to, in Christ, to begin to understand who am I, i become comfortable with who I am in all of this, right? Like I remember when God was calling me out of music as a career into ministry. It took me a while to get comfortable with that God wanted me, me to be a mouthpiece because I really just want to be the guy who laid the funky bass line down. You know, that's what I, I just want to be the guy in the back, just like, you know, driving the bus from, from the bass chair. That's all I ever wanted to do. But then when it was, God's like, no, no, I have something else for you. Then it was like, okay, can I get comfortable doing this? Right. And in a lot of ways, God wants you to know who you are in him and be good to play that role. Right. And so this is about us as a church, realizing that we realize that we're part of the greater body of Christ. And we don't believe that any local church is God's only hope for accomplishing everything that he wants to do. We believe that each local church has very specific things that they're supposed to do. Right, And if each local expression Of the body of Christ Each local church does the thing That they're supposed to do Ultimately the work of God's kingdom Happens in totality And the biggest problem I think That the church in general has today Is everyone's looking around at everyone else And either tries to do things They're not supposed to do Because they see someone else doing it and they want to be like that Or they try and impose what, they, what their job is On everybody else And they demonize everyone Who doesn't do what they do Right? And we see that going on all over the body of Christ. But if you notice, as a church, we never do that. Because we believe that God's going to use different local churches in unique ways. And our job is to celebrate and champion each local church getting at the things that they're supposed to get at. And as a church family, we know who we are. And we like playing the role. Like, this is who we're supposed to be. This is what we're supposed to do. Now, what's also beautiful about that is the reason I say that is because as a church family, we're never trying to figure out what we're supposed to do. Right. And a lot of times that makes, you know, especially when people are new and people who are really gifted, maybe God has used them in certain ways. People have a tendency, they come to cross as like, well, this is my thing and this is what I want to do. And it's like, well, that's great. But we actually know who we are and we like it. Like, we're not looking for a vision. We have a vision. We know what we're trying to do. You want to come join what we're doing. And sometimes people get really frustrated at that because, like, well, the church I used to go to, this is what I did. Like, that's great. But you're brand new. And look at what God is already doing. It doesn't mean that we're not trying to get better. But we're also not looking around. Some churches are like that, where they're try- they don't know what they're—they don't know who they are, so they're trying to figure it out. And they read this book and they do this thing. They read this book and they do this thing. They go to this conference before you know it. They're re- we don't do that because we know this is God, what, what God has called us to, and because it's what God's called us to, that's what we're going to run. Does that make sense? Doesn't mean we're the only one. Doesn't mean that other churches don't do certain things so well. And we're like we love what God is doing over there, but has God called us to replicate what they're doing? No, especially not if we're in the same community, right? Like if a church is doing a certain ministry really good, our job is to come alongside and support them in it because even though we're an individual church, we believe in something bigger. Does that make sense? In a lot of ways, the we know who we are and we like it leads us into the kind of the second base of our DNA, which is simply this, that we are radically kingdom focused. Right, And and what that means for us is us being radically kingdom-focused means we are more concerned with growing God's kingdom than we are with growing Crossroads. And really what we believe is that if we focus on growing God's kingdom, Crossroads will always be just fine. That's what we have 45 years of data to tell us. When we're focused on not growing the kingdom of Crossroads, but growing the kingdom of Jesus Christ, right, then God will always take care of Crossroads. That's why we have no problem supporting other churches and other ministries and doing things that we think are awesome, because we see that their impact is good for the kingdom of God, right? That's why, as a church, we make it a point never to talk ill about other churches. We may not agree with everything, but we don't have to go up here and be like, oh, be careful of that church because of this thing. It's like, no, man, listen, we got our own problems. We're all part of this church. You know, there's stuff we got to do. So our goal is always not to worry just about crossroads. Our goal is, what does God's kingdom need? How do we join that? And, of course, Jesus said in, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, that we should seek first the kingdom of what? Of God and his what? Righteousness. And all these things will be added unto us. Now, in a lot of ways, what I want to encourage you is... I want to encourage you not to spend your life focusing on the kingdom of self. That's what our culture tells us. Our culture says, it's all about building your kingdom. you got to build your kingdom. you got to get yours. No, listen. Jesus says, you should seek first God's kingdom and God's righteousness. And then all those other things that you think you need, he's going to take care of it. Now, what I will tell you is that when you prioritize God's kingdom above your own kingdom... God does provide for you, but never in the way that you thought it was when you were prioritizing your own kingdom, right? It's like, I don't want to give you the false hope that if you prioritize God's kingdom, you're going to get all the things you wanted when you were prioritizing your kingdom. What I will tell you is that when you prioritize God's kingdom, the ethics of God's kingdom and the things that God is concerned about become what you get concerned about. And he ends up giving you the things you need under the authority of the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of self. I like to always remind you all, that the kingdom of self is highly fortified. Everything in our lives are designed to protect the kingdom of your life as you think it ought to be. But what I will tell you is that Jesus taught us to pray in that model prayer. Christians have been praying this prayer as part of worship services for 2,000 years. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What people don't realize is that when you're praying that God's kingdom would come, you're also praying that your kingdom would go. When you're asking for God's will to be done, you're also saying, then my will needs to go. It's not about what I want, it's about what God wants. It's not about me getting the things that I want to fortify my ideas, but what does God want? What does God's kingdom ask for? And as a church family, we've made the commitment that we're gonna focus more on the kingdom of God than we are on Crossroads, knowing that if we focus on the kingdom of God, Crossroads will always be fine. Does that make sense? Now, with that being the case, when you prioritize God's kingdom, we also realize that God does care about the Crossroads family. Does that make sense? And I just wanted to real quick just mention a few things. I've been trying to figure out where to put this in the the series, and so I'm just going to throw it in here because it makes sense. So I want to thank you all for your generosity here at Crossroads. You know, like, as a church, we don't talk about money very much, but we do realize that money is an outlet of spiritual power that all the resources we have are not ours, they're God's, and he entrusts them to us, right? When you read the Bible, that's what you learn, right? You learn that what you think is yours, no, it's actually his, and our job is not to be owners, but stewards, right? And that that idea of biblical stewardship is God is entrusting resources to us, and then he asks us to broker those resources in accordance with his purposes and plans. And I just want to thank you all for your faithful stewardship of the resources that god has given you you know as a church family like you know every year we set a budget we 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 make a budget you know and every year we live within the budget you know um as a church family and and thank you all for your generosity thank you for that because we believe that as a church family when we focus on the kingdom god's kingdom is also happening here at crossroads does that make sense so part of what life is, is that like, just as we say, we want you to focus on God's kingdom and not your own kingdom. As you focus on God's kingdom, God doesn't want to destroy you. He wants you to blossom. So there's, there's a part of focusing on God's kingdom that also makes sure that we're the most healthy. And as a church family, we've worked so hard in order to be healthy in all these different ways. And I want to thank you for it. You know, we talked last week about our operating system being Dr. Mister. Do You guys remember that? That it's devotional, relational, missional, and reproducible. Our church finances is also Dr. Mister. Now, I'm going to share this with you because I actually think you should adopt this for your own personal finances. Your personal finances, just like our church, D, debt reduction. Right? I want to encourage you. You, you want to get out of debt as fast as possible. You don't want to be in credit card debt. If you have student loan debt, you want to get out of that. Right? Car payment debt, you need to get out of that. And eventually, when well, you don't have to pay the mortgage on your house, you want to get out of that too. So, so debt reduction should be a part of of the way that you broker your own family finances. so That's the D. Jesus is
0: real. Your DNA holds the directions for how your body works and looks. Well, just like what they look like is an expression of what's inside of you, your convictions direct your choices. Today, Pastor Daniel began a look at the principles that drive the decisions the church makes. Like the Crossroads family, Pastor Daniel encourages you to be radically kingdom-focused and make growing
1: God's kingdom more important than growing your own. I want to thank you so much for listening to Jesus is Real program. And I realize that there are many of you, you're not a born-again follower of Jesus. You've never put your faith and trust in Jesus. But as you've been listening, you've been saying to yourself, I want to begin to follow Jesus. I want to help you do that right now. We're going to pray a simple prayer that just acknowledges who Jesus is in your life. So if that's you, if you're saying yes to Jesus for the very first time, pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I'm giving you my life. Thank you for saving me. I believe in you, your life, your death on the cross, and your resurrection. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I ask it in Jesus' name. And we all said together, amen for those of you who just received jesus as your personal lord and savior i'm so excited for you i want to know that you did it though because i want to help you take your next steps with him so pull out your mobile phone text the word saved to 51400. s-a-v-e-d to 51400 and my team will get in touch with you we want to get some more resources in your hands to help you on this journey now my team we want to share some stuff with you so
0: don't go anywhere Thanks, Pastor Daniel. You know, the Bible says that when one person comes to Jesus, the angels in heaven rejoice and we rejoice with them today if you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Daniel. Again, to receive some resources that are going to help you in this new journey with Jesus, take out your mobile phone right now and text the word SAVED, S-A-V-E-D, to 51400. Next time on Jesus is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel We'll share that having a sense of urgency about the work of God is healthy. You'll learn that it's important to live in the reality that the Lord could return at any time. He's being patient so that more people can choose to walk with Him. Knowing the time is running short will guide your decision to quickly reach out to the people around you who haven't responded to Jesus yet. You've been listening to Jesus is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through this series called Renew. Until then, may God bless.